Before we get to this episode, just to say thanks to everyone who's bought my new book, Champion Thinking, How to Find Success Without Losing Yourself. Published by Bloomsbury, the response has been terrific. It's an Amazon bestseller. It's been top 20 in the airport charts consistently, and the reviews have been terrific right across the board. And if you like this episode that you're about to hear on Flow, you'll be sure to enjoy Champion Thinking. Head to my website, simonmundy.com or Amazon, Waterstone, Smiths, places like that to get your copy. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to this bite-sized episode of Life Lessons from Sports and Beyond with me, Simon Mundy, where I seek to explore life's bigger questions. Hello, thank you for joining me once again. Right, quick question to kick things off. When was the last time you were bored? Give you a moment. Now, when I ask people that question, a lot of the time they struggle to answer. Why? Because with smartphones, we now never need to be bored. They're always within arm's reach. But why would anyone want to be bored? Well, being continually stimulated as we are is really not good for us. It has really strong links with mental illness, particularly anxiety, and also makes our brains less effective. Now, to explain this is one of the most important authors in the world, in my opinion, Professor Cal Newport, who has written two books I think are essential reading and they are deep work and digital minimalism and in this bite-sized episode cal explains what deep work is and why it's so important and then goes on to explain how our addiction to digital devices is destroying our capacity to do deep work with serious consequences personally and collectively he also shares research around certain younger generations who've been particularly badly affected generations whose anxiety levels have gone through the roof the answer getting a grip on our collective addictive use of digital technology. Now, this episode really can be a huge wake-up call. So if you do enjoy it and could share it with someone you think might benefit from hearing it, I would be very grateful. Also, after listening to this, I would just recommend an experiment. Next time you are in a queue at a shop or waiting for a train or a bus or whatever, and that impulse that we're all familiar with to whip your phone out emerges, resist it. Notice it and resist it. Be with your experience. Settle into it. Your mind might urge you not to, to distract yourself. But the benefits from not falling for that trap really can be profound on a number of levels. 
And just finally, before we hear from Cal, this does follow on from last week's episode about how to relax and switch off to avoid burnout. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, please do. Right, here is Professor Cal Newport. Deep work is undistracted. So that means it's an activity in which you are not context shifting. So if you're if you're also glancing at a phone, if you're also glancing on email, uh, it's not deep work. You're in, you're in a state of, of context confusion, which, which you're getting a fraction of your cognitive capacity. So it's undistracted work and it's on something cognitively demanding. So you're uh, applying a cognitive skill that you have developed or trained to, to produce something with your brain that has more value. You're doing that in a state of non-distraction. Shallow work is my term for everything else, right? So deep work is where I'm locked into one thing, just using a cognitive still trying to create real value uh, from my brain. And then everything else is shallow work. The, the thing you mentioned, I think is key. Uh, deep work is something that you can get more comfortable with. So the ability to focus on something very intensely without distraction, and you're doing this sort of symbolic reasoning, you're writing, you're coming up with new business strategy, this sort of in your head symbolic reasoning. It's not supernatural for humans to do at a high level. Uh, and it's something that if you practice, you get more used to focusing the mind's eye, you get more used to f uh, sustaining concentration, you get more used to holding complex variables in your working memory and manipulating them, and you get more used to resisting the pulls on your distraction that would ruin that session, you get better at it. And it's something that you have to train just like you would train if you wanted to be able to play the guitar. You wouldn't expect to be good at it if you picked up a guitar and had never played one before. Same thing with deep work. It's not enough to just say, yeah, I should concentrate more. It really should be, okay, I want to train my brain to be the type of brain that can do this type of intense concentration. And the whole thesis of that book, Deep Work, is that there's huge value in that. There is huge value in that activity. It's at the core of almost anything that moves the needle in the current knowledge economy, the stuff that makes your business grow, the stuff that gets you promoted. That's all deep work. Where the shallow work is more the logistical stuff. It's the stuff that uh, prevents you from getting fired. It's the stuff that <laughs> prevents your company from uh, defaulting on its bank account. You know, you got to get the invoices in. You got to make sure the forms are filed. The electric company needs to get paid. That all has to happen. That's more about preventing bad things from happening. Deep work is what actually makes the good things happen. What's happening is that the more distracted existence is unnatural yeah. and it puts us into those agitated, unnatural states. And so it's a side benefit of saying, I'm going to rebuild my life to be more sequential and focus on one thing at a time and focus on hard things is in addition to actually just really killing it at work, you're getting away more from that very unnatural mode of living. And so then you get that, that general benefit of, I'm just a little bit calmer and here and just with what's going on and just not so anxious. And, and so I'm, I'm completely with that. There's a, there's an emotional intelligence, but also just a mental health, I think, yeah. writ large issue with, yeah. with the way we're living. Which is a, a beautiful segue. So thank you, Cal, into, we'll, we'll jump book again into digital minimalism, because in there, it's, it's alarming. And you paint in stark terms the impact technology, social media, smartphones is having, particularly on um, younger people. So you call them, so it's iGen, isn't it? So people who are born post-1995 and um, you quote, and you'll have to correct me if I get her name wrong. Is it Jean Twenge? I've heard Twenge. Twenge, it could right. be Twenge. Okay, fine. Yeah, I'm Twenge. Not, yeah. Okay, well, T-W-E-N-G-E. So you can see why I went wrong. But anyway, and she came out with a quote along the lines of that we are on the brink 
of the worst mental health crisis in in decades. So, can you just paint a bit of a picture of 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 what you found out and what she said about you know iGen in particular? Well, my whole introduction to this was before she wrote her her book and her big Atlantic article on this. And by the way, she's a researcher who specializes in exactly these issues. Trends between generations, trying to figure out actual differences between different generations and getting rid of this sort of, well, kids these days type of bias and understanding generational change in attributes or properties, right? So that's what she does. Like what's different between this generation and that? Are there any trends that are different? And and that's her expertise. But even before that, and this would have been probably 2013, maybe 2014, if I have my timeline right, I was doing an event at a college campus and it was uh, had that it was being sponsored by the mental health something something. So I was walking across campus with the head of campus student mental health services. And this is before this talk. I hadn't even written deep work yet. So this was not on my radar yet. And she was talking to saying, like, you know, we we um, we have all this anxiety related mental health issues suddenly. And like we didn't have them before. And now uh, we have a huge amount more number of students who are coming into the mental health clinic on campus, but just raw numbers more than we ever had. And it's almost all anxiety and anxiety related disorders, which is not what we used to see before. We used to see a much more diverse array of sort of standard uh, young person mental health issues. And, and at the time, I was like, well, what's going on here? Right. Did something get in the water? And she didn't even hesitate. She said, oh, smartphones. As soon as we saw that first cohort of college students arrived that all had smartphones and had had them throughout high school. So they were really attached to them. She's like, it was a, a light switch, you know, and that put it on my radar. And then uh, Twingy comes out and says, okay, I've studied this data really carefully. There's something very different about this generation. Uh, they're much more anxious, right? There, there, there's something going on here, right? And she's like, it's not really the generation. It really starts pretty suddenly. And, and she says, well, let's look at what is the dividing line between people who have this young people have this big rise in mental health and those don't. And it was exactly where you born just uh, late enough that when you got to your early adolescence, smartphones had crossed the 50% of the population mark. In other words, smartphones had become ubiquitous. And that was the key divider line. And there's all these other theories that came came in. Well, we have all these other explanations for why people might be anxious as kids. There's the there's stuff that was happening with the financial crisis. And then later mm. there's political issues. None of these timelines fit. Right. They, they would have they started too early before the rise happened or they started too late. But the timeline that fit real perfect uh, perfectly was the, this. As soon as you were just old enough to probably have a smartphone when you were 14. Off the charts, like you, know, you have the self-reported, but then the self-reported was backed up by data on actual hospital admissions for self-harm attempts by teenagers. And it was this really clear. Troubling signal that phones and young people were causing trouble. Now, I, I just want to briefly lay the landscape here because social psychology is very complicated. Um, so you have the group, you have her, you have height, you have other people who are arguing like, come on, guys, <laughs> like you hear foot, you hear footprint, hoof, hoof beats, it's horses, right? The, the, this common diagnosis thing. Um, this just matches perfectly. Uh, then you have this other group that came in, including some group space in the UK. They're like, oh, come on. It, it's, it's, there's nothing to do with this. You guys are being alarmist because there's a lot of value to being contrarian. 
in, in social psych. And I've read a lot of these papers, though, and it's kind of picking nits. And then you have this whole group in between that's just saying, well, on the one hand, on the other hand, it might be this, but not this. And they're just trying to get grant money. Um, but the reason why I fall on the side of the people who say I think there's a real issue here is that it's not just that we're teasing out subtle epidemiological signals in some data set, trying to figure out like, ooh, everyone who went to this you know, factory has lung cancer, so maybe there's like a bestest there. You talk to young people and they just self-report it. They hmm. say, this right here is making me anxious. Right? So it's, it's not like we have to tease this out, like, oh my God, our statisticians found the connection that no one realized. Every young person you talk to says, this is stressing me the hell out. Hmm. And they're saying help. Yeah. And I think we should probably take that seriously. Yeah. So I spoke to Sam Harris recently and he said something which which I just thought was uh, pretty on the money, which was just that, you know, we've never had to not be with ourselves. We've never had to, we've never had the ability to distract ourselves to the extent at which we can now. And I've spoken to other, other people about, you know, uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. And the worst thing you can do is either ignore them or, you know, get lost in them. There's, you know, you need to sort of acknowledge them. You need to turn towards them. So, not sitting with yourself and by yourself. When I say that in this instance, I mean uncomfortable thoughts, uncomfortable feelings, our mind, you know, our emotions. But then as well, so just, just that sort of turning away from the normal, at times uncomfortable parts of being a human of human experience. But also then what might seem like a normal feeling to feel anxious at times or whatever suddenly, because they're so unused to having to deal with this, it becomes so overwhelming that they keep turning away from it, keep turning away from it. What's your take on that? Just that inability to sit or be with thoughts and feelings, essentially. Yeah, it, it's a critical issue. I, I mean, I completely agree with Sam on this. I, I have a whole chapter in Digital Minimalism about this, and, and I call it solitude deprivation. And this was exactly my point in that chapter, is that this is a completely novel experiment in human history. Uh, we have never had the ability before to completely banish from our daily life any time alone with our own thoughts. It, it, that was just completely unavoidable until about 10 years ago. You know, it's like, I could be in line, I'm gonna be in the car, I'm waiting for the, the microwave to cook. Like, it was just a normal part of human existence that, of course, there's lots of times throughout the day when it's just you alone with your own thoughts. It took the ubiquitous high-speed wireless internet networks being built out over the whole world and these supercomputers in our pockets to, to get to this place where we can say, what if we could banish that? You know, at every minute, you know, even in the bathroom, we can constantly have distraction. I think it's a really big issue. Uh, and there's a few things that happen from it. One is, I'm, I think there's some compelling evidence that just the, the lack of downtime causes mm. anxiety, right? Yeah. So I think that's part of what was going on on the college campuses where the college, the anxiety went up is because uh, when you are processing information that was generated by other human minds, which is what you're doing when you're on your phone, that's a high energy, all hands on deck mental state because our, our brains take that very seriously. We're not supposed to be in that state all day long. Like mm. we're supposed to go in that state when I'm talking to my tribe member, I want to do this right. And what are you saying? Let me understand it. Let me simulate your brain great. Now I'm going to be hiking across the savannah for three hours and I can get a breather. Um, so I think we exhaust our brains, we get anxiety. Two is what you're talking about. Uh, if you avoid hard things and hard feelings, you don't learn how to make, get used to them, uh, understand them, put them into a structure that you can under, explain process them in your life, them. in your trajectory, process them. Yeah. And then you are incredibly, incredibly susceptible. And then three, time alone with your own thoughts is where you make sense of your life. And it's where you get positive growth. 
right? Mm -hmm. I mean, to grow in a non-physical sense, but to grow as a human in, in a sort of character psychological sense, you have to have this structure of your life and into which you're constantly rebuilding it and integrating new information about your experiences. And man, that made me feel really bad. Why that make me feel really bad? I don't like the way I was acting there. And maybe that means I'm I take this virtue pretty seriously and let me integrate that into my self-conception and, and you process pain, but also celebration. And, and that's how people literally grow. It's how you become a more resilient and interesting and character rich person is how you become someone who's able to become a, a leader in your own life and in your family, and your community. I mean, it's all growth comes from time alone with your own thoughts. And, and in, in digital minimalism, I document person after person. I'm talking about Martin Luther King. I talked about Eisenhower. I talked about Jane Goodall, about how this, this, time alone with their own thoughts is where all of their growth came from the growth yeah. that then led them to be able to do these great things. And so you're missing positive growth. You're more susceptible to negative growth. And you have this cognitive issue of anxiety. That's just completely physiological because the brain is saying uncle and the way we experience uncle is I feel a little bit anxious. So I think solitude deprivation is a huge issue that we're not necessarily realizing. Thank you for listening to this episode with Professor Cal Newport. And I really think Cal's message of recognizing the danger of what he calls solitude deprivation is so important. As a species, we are clearly overstimulated, easily distracted, highly anxious, and could do with addressing that fact and actually doing something about it. I highly recommend Cal's books, Deep Work and Digital Minimalism, by the way. And the full length episode with Cal Newport is in the back catalogue. It's number 50 to be precise, and I can't recommend listening to that enough. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, if you thought it was useful and could share it, I'd be very grateful. And I will be back next week. Until then, look after yourself. Put your phone down and embrace boredom. And goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.